Hey, everybody. This is Andy Clodfelter. And this is Lisa Monahan. And you're listening to Nineties Court. Again. Well, I don't know where to go from there. I think <laughs> I that's a wrap. Saying, Thanks, everybody. I, I, you know, it was a real swell show. We started off being real creepy and yeah. real, you know. Someone's like, got what is this? Everybody's like, is this a sex thing or what's going on? <laughs> you know what? It was the 90s. Why not? Let's see what it happens. Was, it was the 90s. <laughs> Let's make it crazy. Uh, so how are you doing, Lisa? I am alive. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I've been I, I've definitely been better. I was uh, uh, laid up. I missed uh, a day and a half of work this week and I've just been kind of struggling through uh, the work week. So um, but uh, all is well in the world. Uh, more more video games uh, to play in my absence while I was ill. Um, it sounds like you've been having a crazy week, though. What's been going on over in your world? Sewing like crazy, uh, working on a friend's Kickstarter project um, called Tarot, a game of chance. I want to say that's what it was, a game of, yeah, something like that. Um, and then dealing with children and trying to plan for a birthday party tomorrow, which is rock and roll themed. And I'm like, I'm so amped up about it, but also so tired. <laughs> so we'll see. But the playlist is going to be kick ass. And I'm really excited for my own son's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to brag. But my, my son's birthday party is going to be rad as hell. Even if no one else has a good time, I got to pick like 65% of the music. So I'm going to be in good spirits. So, yeah. You know. So I did want to quickly say a few things before I forgot, because like this wasn't in the show notes or anything like that. But I just want to mm-hmm. say this because we've already celebrated it personally amongst each other is guys, you all freaking rock so mm-hmm. much. Um, so we had a few amazing things that happened this week. Um, so. Step one, early this week, hit 2,000 listens. Boom. 2,000 downloads or whatever. Righteous right on. That means at some point in time, uh, 2,000 persons, not separate persons, but but different people, um, listen to multiple episodes multiple, you know, once once or whatever. So mm-hmm. 2,000 people decided, hey, I want to listen to an episode of 90s Court. And uh, so thank you guys so much. That's rad. But not to be outdone. <laughs> um. <laughs> We also, near the end of the week, yesterday, um, on Twitter, cracked 1,000 followers on there. So, again, awesome, 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 awesome. We love getting all of the exposure and all of the fun people. Like I said, the community is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and cracking that was a big thing that, for some reason, I just was like, I want to get to 1,000. And then, like, you celebrate it for a minute, and you're kind of like, well, now I have 1,000 followers, and I don't know what to I guess I'll just get more. <laughs> You know. Now, now a thousand and sixty-nine or something, just well, to be like creepy. Or, I don't know, but yeah, I'm, I'm also, there, actually. <laughs> and also, um, all the reviews we've gotten. Thank you guys for leaving oh reviews. God. Every five star, yeah. even if you take a moment just to be like, show rules. Period. That's yeah. it. If it makes us very happy. Review, the review actually bumps us a lot too. But yeah, so so we started the week with I think ten overall ratings on Apple Podcasts and on Sunday as of Sunday when we recorded our last episode we had 10 it's Friday when we're recording today yes we're recording a little early um, and we have 22 right now so we have more than doubled in a week so holy crap uh, so there's a lot of cause for excitement um, in that regards yes and, and Lisa's doing a super awesome it, happy dance right now well, it was the cabbage patch because that was yeah. not, was was that 90s or was that just like something that moms it's, did in the 90s I think it's just a thing that just terrible people do all the time well Regret- that's what it, <laughs> the glove fits still, so <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so as I, as we mentioned too, is we're we're uh, putting this out a little bit early, possibly. Um, not sure exactly when we're gonna drop it, but it is being recorded on Friday um, because uh, congratulations to Lisa, she's got a uh, she's got a nice anniversary coming up this weekend. Is that right? Yes, lucky number seven plus Congrats. a birthday party. Plus oh, mass. <laughs> gosh. I was like, ooh. Yeah, so, yeah, come Monday morning, I'll be like limping over the finish line <laughs> Monday morning, but it'll be good. So, um, so we are going to start things a little bit differently than normal today. Um, we thought we'd start you out with some poetry readings, you know, get us get us started, uh, warmed up for the show. Um, mm-hmm. So, Lisa, do you want to read us something here first? I do. I have a song from the 90s that I forgot all about until this afternoon. And ooh. then I was like, holy shit, this song. Um, here we go. I can't find the rhyme in all my reason. I've lost sense of time 
and all seasons feel I've been beaten down by the words of men who have no grounds. Can't sleep beneath the trees of wisdom when your axe has cut the roots that feed them. Forked tongues and bitter mouths can drive a man to bleed from inside out. Are you sure that's not just a just a just a weird bad poem? Um, no, I'm not sure that it's not just a weird bad poem. In fact, it might be. I went to weirdbadpoems.com forward it's, slash yeah, the worst. Yeah, that was your first mistake. <laughs> and this slash is what I got. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh, man, I I honestly I could not tell you for the life of me what that is. Well, maybe I hold off and tell you, or do you want to know now? Um, huh. I guess why don't you tell me who that was? That was the song called What If by America's Sweethearts, Creed. <laughs> what a, because, I can't believe I didn't guess that you right didn't get away. What, yeah. What, well, I mean, if I would have just continued on towards the end of the song where he just says what if about 27 times in a row. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, ah. I feel like he would have gotten it then, but. um, Man, nailed it. I <laughs> did. It was good. You want to hear mine? Anyway. <laughs> I like this song. I do want to hear yours. Okay. I'm ready. Cracking knuckles. Let's do this. What's yours? <sighs> hey. I think about the day my girly ran away with my pay when fellas came to play. Play. Now she's stuck with my homies that she fucked. Rude. Ooh. And I'm just a sucker with a lump in my throat. Hey. Hey. Like, like a, a chump. chump. Hey. What like did you a... do it for? You did it for not the cookies. No, no. You did it for the nookies. Like a chump. <laughs> oh, so I'm sorry. Oh, did you guess it? You guessed I it did. right. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't know? I mean, that, I've got that whole verse. Well, fine. If it wasn't good, I guess I'll just throw away this document <laughs> that I wrote all my notes on for that song lyric. <laughs> Here I thought it was. Oh wait. Hold on a second. Oh no. Oh god, I... he's like the he's like the fucking tooth fairy, like the creepy f- tooth fairy, but the the court case fairy. Um, so evidently on the other side of this document where I had written my notes with the with the song lyrics, uh, Finiskeel must have slipped us a, a note here, um, because something just came across my desk. So good. So. Does that mean what I think it means? I think you know what it means, Lisa? I think it means. Here's the thing. I don't know how he could have possibly known. (laughs) You know, the world works in mysterious ways, Andy. The skill works in very disturbing ways. That is true. Um, So so in some insane way, uh, Finiskeel has presented us with a court case to discuss, um, which is a couple of 90s most groan-worthy bands that people love to hate more than anyone, uh, which was Creed versus Lamp Biscuit. Lamp Biscuit. Um, that's just that thing just sounds so gross even coming out of my mouth do we both need i feel like we both need a bud light to get through this case because it's where i don't feel like either of us are quite uh, well trailer part trashy enough to get through limp biscuit creed is just like maybe you need a a hymnal you need some you need some incense and some uh (laughs) i don't know just some some leather jackets or something yeah i don't know i don't know you just need to be an absolute mockery of, of every other band that's ever been in the grunge era. era. Um, so, um, so I don't recall because we kind of did two court cases last week, Lisa. So right. um, who wanted to go first this week? I'll go you, first. All right. Thank you for being so brave. <laughs> this is true. I might be sleepy as shit, but I'm, I'm like always down to talk shit yeah. about Limp Biscuit no matter what time <laughs> of day it is. So, all right, check it out. Limp Biscuit. First off, three strikes. We're already out. Ready? Here's here's three strikes. Rap rock band from Florida. Fred Durst. 
Three Strikes is a horrible mistake of a band. But alas, they were and are apparently still an active band. Uh, members include Fred Durst on vocals, Sam Rivers on bass slash also vocals, John Otto on drums. And I forgot all about the drummer, but he just looks like if Mr. Potato Head grew a body out <laughs> from his butt. That's what he looked like. No offense, John Otto, but wow. And the DJ Lethal was on turntables and last but not least Wes Borland on guitar and <laughs> wardrobe. wardrobe. Um, you remember Wes Borland, don't you? Yeah, Is so he- I mean the guitar the guitarist also did wardrobe. No, I'm just I'm just saying for himself. <laughs> Everyone else was like, I'm gonna roll out in whatever I've been sleeping in for the last six days and Wes Borland was like, hold on, I've got an entire trailer I've of great six shit outfits. outfits. Yes. Okay. The band was founded in ninety four, who cares? Debut album I don't recall if it was $3 bill y'all or if there was a different one, but they kind of came out with $3 bill y'all. I believe that had a different title. Who cares? Um, I think it was like queer as a $3 bill. I think that's what it was oh, called. Cool. So their, their whole thing was like, can we deter as many people as possible? Awesome. We're doing our job. Um, they were iconic quote unquote uh, in their own way because of Durst's angry vocals and Westmoreland's over-the-top outfits and performances on stage. And so I was I was watching videos of him looking at pictures of Westmoreland, and I was like, just imagine if Westmoreland, this dude, just ran headfirst into like an elementary school arts and crafts cabinet, and and that was what he came out in every performance: body paint all over, like random tchotchkes on his body, crazy out of you know over-the-top outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the biggest albums were Significant Other in 99 and Chocolate Starfish in the Hot Dog Flavored Water, which came in came out in 2000. Quick note. Hot Dog Flavored Water. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> do you know the secrets behind that album title, Chocolate Starfish? No, and please tell me. I need to you, know these secrets to be unveiled so long, so long after. <laughs> it's very important. Apparently, well, I mean, I knew this from a while back, but Chocolate Starfish uh, is... An, is um, supposed to imply the human anus god damn it why because limp biscuit of course um, and, and hot dog flavored water was in reference to a joke west borland made at a truck stop talking about how all these like flavored waters he was like we should have one that's like hot dog flavored <laughs> and that's where they came out with the album super cool guys right um <laughs> Okay, so the first one, they're like, hey, we're trying to make it a parallel to something. The other one's like, oh, and it's inside joke. Like, I mean, what a do- <laughs> if, I, if I started a band, I'd probably do nothing but label everything as an inside joke. Like, that would yeah. probably be my MO, but hopefully my inside jokes are more interesting than hot dog flavored water. Mm-hmm. I digress. Um, so they, Durst, got the idea to create a hip-hop slash rock mashup band while he was mowing lawns and being a tattoo artist. I mean, like you gotta start somewhere. Like for, that, that's like rags to riches shit right there, yeah. right? Rags to flip that hat backwards. Um, yeah, I will. I will not. I will not. That's the the most respectable thing I've heard about Fred Durst to date. And that's it. That's a wrap on Durst. <laughs> we don't have to say nothing else yeah, ever good. good came out of him. Um, he he convinced John Otto, Mr. Potato Head, to make a band with him. <laughs> um, they were in they were in a separate band, and they were like, "Hey, this band sucks. I want to make a band that sucks harder." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and so they made Limp Bizkit. Um, and of course, Limp. Oh man, I didn't actually confirm this, but I'm almost positive that Limp Bizkit is in a. In, I think it was like a, a game they used to play where they would every all the men would jack off onto a biscuit, and the last one to do it would have to eat it. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they sound like darling men, don't yeah. they? No, the um, whole thing, everything about them is just <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, um, they they specifically wanted a band name that would repel listeners. Um, and the, some of the names that were considered were, I mean, they landed on Limp Biscuit Champion. Yeah, they nailed but, it, let's be clear. So the, the four that did not make the cut were Gimp Disco. Okay. Split Dick Slit. No, God! Bitch Piglet. <laughs> and my favorite, Blood Fart. <laughs> oh my, okay, hold on. <laughs> blood fart we could have had a band named blood fart and they passed on it which you that know is, what i bet that someone is the most done it. Hor- that is the worst ear sound i've ever heard ever i said it in front of the kids earlier and one of my kids tried to say it back i was like don't ever say that again no. only i can say blood fart um that's so, a mommy word that's a mommy word uh they have uh they 
in a very sweet way, they were all word of mouth and went from, you know, playing shows to just like 10 people to like 800 in just a few months because of Fred Durst constantly, you know, pounding the pavement and stuff like that. Um, and then they covered songs like uh, they covered live. They call it covered faith, George Michael's faith. And then they covered straight up by Paula Abdul, which I haven't heard. And I actually straight up now tell me, do you really want to love me forever? Oh, oh, oh. And Fred Durst. Um, Corn came into town and Fred oh, Durst was like, hey, I want to be friends with them. And so he got them some beer and gave them some really shitty tattoos that were not impressive and then convinced uh, Fieldy from Corn uh, to listen to their demo. And then they got added to two tours with Corn. Um, really? Which pretty, yeah, which is a pretty big break for them. Um, Borland, Captain, Captain Paintface, uh, left shortly after they added DJ Lethal from House of Pain due to creative differences. But they, you know, kissed and made up several times and who cares? Um, their albums were $3 Bill Y'all, which had Faith and Counterfeit, Significant Other, which had Nookie, Break Stuff, mm-hmm. Rearranged and In Together Now with Method Man. And the Break Stuff video is one of my all-time favorite videos because of all the weird-ass cameos like Dr. Dre, Snoop, Polly Shore, Eminem, and of course Jonathan Davis of Corn, because they were best friends at the time. Um, and even though Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water came out in 2000, it's important to note them because, you know, you got My Generation, My Way, and Rollin'. Who doesn't know those songs? Hopefully a lot of people. Hopefully. Uh, now, 99 Woodstock, what, or Woodstock 99, was a big controversy. Yeah, thing. I remember that. Yeah, I don't. So I got to read up on it. Apparently, uh, a lot of violence erupted during and after their show. People were, like, tearing plywood from the stage and the walls. And then there were, like, sexual assaults that were reported. And then Durst cool. during, yeah, super cool. And Durst during the show said, and I quote, people are getting hurt. Don't let anybody get hurt. But I don't think you should mellow out. That's what Alanis Morissette had you motherfuckers do. If someone falls, pick them up. We already let the negative energy out. Now we want to let the positive energy out. And he turned his red hat backwards and he turned it forwards again just so he could turn it backwards again. Um, and and you know what? They they headlined Family Values Tour a couple times because that's what you do in the 90s. And essentially, Limp Bizkit was just an all-around shit show of, of guys. Like they, I mean – Ed Hardy wearing motherfuckers started from Limp Biscuit. Like every guy that's complete trash that's like, I'm gonna punch my girlfriend and um kick a dog and who cares? I'm angry. Uh Limp Biscuit. We thank them for that. God damn. That um, was a good that was a good court case. But you know what? The the worst <laughs> part of this whole thing is that they're in the studio recording right now. We don't deserve no. that. No. <laughs> God, please. Nobody deserves it. They just waited. They're like, we need, we need, like the, we need everything to just be absolute chaos in the world before we come bring back, like the before the re- resurrection of our of our fucking horror show. Yeah, and of course uh, they went, they went on. I mean, into the 2000s, but this is 90s court, not 2000s court. So I'm calling it there because Limp Bizkit doesn't deserve sure. any more time. Yeah, and, I, and that's the thing is, I think so. So what I recall from Limp Bizkit more than anything, was A, I hated their music. I just hate, I just fucking, it was so bad. And here's the thing. I mentioned this to you beforehand. So I think it was more so in the early 2000s, but but for some reason, MTV was like, mm-hmm. you know what people need in their lives? Fucking Limp Bizkit 24-7. Like, yeah. it was just like they got, that was like around the time when like TRL and things like that were coming around. And apparently... I swear to God, there is no way people were actually requesting these songs that much anyways, because they were just on all the time. And the crazy thing was this was that I think I mentioned to you before and hopefully I didn't mention I might have mentioned it in the episode. But I saw Limp Bizkit by accident in concert um, because I was going to it was a Metallica concert when I was like, you know, when I was in my teens or whatever, like early teens. Um, and uh, and I think it was them and Lincoln Park and Limp Bizkit, but I was I was literally just going for them. I know we had the Deftones were there as well, which I know you're a big fan of them. So yeah. it was a lot of a lot of bands, but so Limp Bizkit was the band that goes just before Metallica, and there it was it was like a fucking riot. Like everybody at that place wanted Limp Bizkit off the stage, and they were just oh, booting wow. and screaming Metallica the whole time. And the crazy thing was that. So this was the Chicago show, and the next week, the next day, they played in St. Louis, and they literally got booed off the stage and left. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so Limp Bizkit, you pieces of shit. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. anyways, 
Oh, that was just my quick Limp Biscuit story from uh, the having to have the burden of saying that money that I have as a child, um, probably my parents paid for, probably went towards funding Limp Biscuit in some way, which hurts my heart to think about right. that. Right. Um, so uh, we'll, we're going to turn it around, you know, like from a little bit. I mean, it was let's be honest these are both terrible but for just very different reasons because yeah. like they went in like it was in my opinion these are two bands that said like the people looked at like kind of the market and said what's a really stupid niche that we can fit into where we're like not different in the fact that we actually are like high quality or anything like that but let's be different in this way mm-hmm. like basically they're like we need to get into the scene and so we're going to be different in this way and they chose the douchiest way possible to break into the scene um not to not to say okay that i'll I'll explain so creed the greatest thing i know i noted immediately after you said that they were from florida which also made them suck so creed guess where they came from tallahassee florida oh boy Um, two college friends scott staff and mark tremonti um who'd been school in school um and high school and then were friends at florida state university had reunited and were hanging out. And I guess um, just kind of based on Scott Tapp's upbringing, I was kind of reading about it. And and it's, you know, and this is not in any way detrimental to him as a person. I don't want to, like, just shit on people because it sounds like he did have a tough, like, a pretty tough upbringing with his fa- family and everything like that. They were very um, Christian conservative and everything like that. And um, that's not the reason it was tough. But, like, and amongst other things, I was reading a backstory on him a little bit. and mm-hmm. But that's part of the reason that he um, – he brought this influence of having obviously the more Christian or spiritual elements to a lot of the songs that they did. Um, but a lot of people would submit that it was uh, basically utilizing those that basically for uh, the sake of making money, which I mean, you know, let's not let's not yeah. despair. Everybody, if you're making money off of something, you're probably doing it to make money. Like you're going out there to be a band. Um, you're trying to trying to make it so you can have this be your full time career. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to despair for that. However, um, basically, uh, Scott Stapp, uh, in my opinion, and a lot of the band basically just said like, hey, you know what's you know who's great, who people really like, Pearl Jam. Let's do that. <laughs> with jesus like basically like <laughs> jesus pearl jam and like again i'm I, i'm pearl sorry jesus. i i probably need to stop on this because i don't want to you know offend anybody or anything like that because again it's not it's 100 not okay okay I'll, I'll say this piece about this it's one thing to make christian music and it's one thing to have rock music that's 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 sneaky christian music yeah and yeah. that's always like don't 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 I didn't yeah. tune into that station. And, and that's the thing too, is that they, they, cause nowhere on any labels is anywhere. Does it say that they're a Christian band or anything like that? It's just, they have these kind of elements to them in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, but anyway, so, so they started out pretty humble beginnings and, uh, and I guess they, they performed this one big show at a, at a, at a place. And then somebody, um, some guy happened to, you know, discover them and then they were brought up. They released, um, they released before that they had, <laughs> I guess one of the band members put six thousand dollars together to put together their first album, which was called My Own Prison. Um, no so big deal. that so was actually it, a huge album. Yeah. So it, it was kind of their first album and it had been around the music scene for a while. Um, but then uh, Wind Up Records apparently is the ones who discovered them. They remixed it, made it a little more radio friendly sound. And then it was yeah. re-released by Wind Up Records. Um, the four singles, um, as you'll know, um, are... My Own Prison, Torn, What's This Life For, and One. And I totally forgot to do this at the beginning of my thing, and I'm embarrassed, but I'm still going to play it, because I think it's very uh, apropos of of our show. So one moment. Ew. Can okay. someone pull the Can someone pull the marbles out of his mouth? Is he okay? <laughs> I hold him, I'm holding, holding him, I'm holding him, holding him, holding him. Okay, and here's the crazy thing, Lisa. 
So I wanted to play that because it said court is in session, Virk is in. So I had to do it because it was 90s court related. <laughs> so thank you for, for that very appropriate thing. <laughs> um, but so that song, and here's the thing that drives me crazy is realizing that despite the fact that myself and I would say probably 50% of the population actively went out of their way to say I hate Creed – um, in the 90s, like the amount of like 50 percent of the population would actively say that. And yet it was this insane brainworm that was on the radio all the time, the same way that Limp Biscuit was infectious on MTV all the time. Mm-hmm. The radio, they were the creed was the version of the radio. So, like, let's just say you're driving home from work, you know, driving home from school with your parents and you're in the back seat, And, of course, Creed's playing and you're like, God, fucking kill me. I can't wait till I get home so I can get away from this hellscape. And then you turn on the TV and who is it? It's fucking Limp Bizkit waiting. <laughs> waiting. It, was a, it was a real hellscape. And guess yeah. what was being interjected in between that? I'm pretty sure Nickelback was already doing their thing. Uh-oh. Wait no, maybe they weren't, uh, but I, I feel like they, they were like were. early two thousands. Were they early two thousands? Well, maybe. they were all they're the 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 little roots of their evil. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, starting the foundation. Nickelback's like, yeah. Hey, it turns out I, I listened to Creed and Limp Bizkit. It turns out you don't have to be good at music at all. You can just kind of wing it, and just yeah. uh, yeah, and people will just buy you up, and and for some reason put you everywhere on um on there. But here's the thing. Again, it's one of those things where. Like it's the the mind blowing thing is this is that it's hard to understand, especially as a kid that time at that time, how they got to be so popular. And also at the same time is the thing that everybody hated them. And yet I just without having that music playing, I could have totally given you at least the first like minute of, of me with Marble Mouth um, pretending, you know, with the whole basically beginning of my own prison. Like I yeah. like because I remember it and I know it so well because it got stuck in my head so much and I heard it so many times. And yet at the same time, I'll say I hate that song. So I think that was a lot of I think that was a lot of those things is where I think it was so ingrained that everybody hated this thing that you like if you possibly ever said you enjoyed Creed in any way, shape or form that you would absolutely be shunned for it by all it's of your true. Friends. Well, I was very disappointed in myself for being like, oh, what if was a song? And I forgot how much I loved it. And I was like, don't sing along. Don't sing. Oh, no, you're singing oh, along. You're singing. And like, what, do? The, what happened? The riff is so good. I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Signed Lisa Monahan, uh, September twenty seventh, two thousand nineteen. Kill me now. <laughs> so, but no, it's funny because I'm just thinking like, because just think about the sound is basically all this. I'm gonna hear my. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I was just into the my own prison, and then there's what's this libo? And then uh, and then one one oh one, and it's just the exact same sound basically for every single one of them again very akin to its future uh baby child uh nickelback that would come out soon later after that um yeah. the crazy thing though is is that they um so this that was their first album which was uh god it was extremely successful six mil um moving over six million copies and going six times platinum Jeez on that first album so they did pretty well um then um in 1999 a couple years later um they pumped out human clay um which was um even bigger of yeah. course it previewed at number debuted at number one on billboard 200 uh, and sold over 10 million copies over the next 10 years certified diamond by RIAA. I don't know who that means, but um, the albums was the first band to hit number one, basically the band's first to hit number one in the U S which, I mean, there was two albums. So I would, you know, if the last one didn't, I would think this would be the first one. So thank you uh, for this article I'm reading. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, is that the song higher is the one that came out on this and uh, let me see. There's other ones. There was, uh, you know, with with arms wide open. Unfortunately, I think that one came out in. Yeah, that one came out in the 2000s. Womp womp. So oh, but higher, it was on the album that was released in 99. It was not. It was oh, not. It says it was. It says 99 for Human Clay here. Let's see. Well, this is this is Google, and Google likes to lie to me. Have to try try you out on this one. Human Clay. Let's see. What songs were on Human Clay? But you're right. They absolutely was on that album. So, um, so higher and with arms wide open. Those are two songs that are very, very quote unquote iconic from Creed. Um, that mm-hmm. the crazy thing about the song Higher. Let me see. I think one of these, one 
a Grammy. And that hurts <laughs> my heart. Um, it has so, been higher. Yeah, I believe higher um, ended up winning a Grammy for uh, best rock song, um, which gross. Which I mean, think about so other actual rock bands at the time that were still going in the late nineties, and yeah, well, had to be good. like, well, <laughs> well, let's not get okay, let's not get crazy here. Um, but yeah, so anyways, basically the. <laughs> The entire band, again, it was one of those things that was a kind of a a flash in the pan um, where they were around for literally like four years, basically four and a half, five years um, before they kind of like started fizzling. And then in 2004 is when the band broke up. Um, Mm -hmm. Many of you might know, again, this is way after the fact and not relevant, um, but uh, the (laughs) but Scott Staff hit some hard times um, a few years back. Fortunately, again, this is not in any way he he had some very hard times um, and uh, was basically out without a band for quite some time. But it sounds like apparently in 2016, um, he was able to get back in a band um, with some other random band. And he's been able to uh, get some success again, not like Creed level success, but he's at least in a band and doing OK before where it sounded like he was uh, uh, things were falling apart for, for old Scotty Stapp. Um, and again, I, I even mentioned to you, I think once was the fact that, you know, uh, in another episode where, um, uh, where there was somebody that was doing an impression of him, like they did these amazing impressions of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, God, who did I say that was Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl. Oh, did he? Um, of course he yeah, did. Dave Grohl was doing some sta- Scott Stapp impressions and making fun of him. It's just, it's one of those those albums that you listen to it one of those uh bands that you listen to them and it's just like it was the most grown worthy in my opinion band um i will confess limp biscuit was from the offensiveness standpoint all that stuff it was way worse creed was much more wholesome on the other scale and i think it's kind of like they hit you in both ways like on the opposite scales of the spectrum one of them was like overly trying to be adorable and wholesome in a rock you're like this is rock music okay listen i'm not asking for you to be horribly offensive or anything like that but please just you have to be cool like you're just you're not being cool right now and we can't handle how uncool you're being in this rock environment um and then of course to the other extreme of just being like let's talk about wieners like constantly Wieners, um, buttholes, wieners, buttholes, and, 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 and fighting. Fisticuffs. Yes. <laughs> so um, so that's my presentation. I don't have a whole lot to say about Creed. These bands both just hurt we both co- We both come in worse place. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, I guess the question is, is that it's not, it's not so much which one of these wins, um, just from like, hey, which is the better band, but which is the most grown worthy? Which one hurts your heart more? to even reflect on. Oh, we're going to flip it like that. Yeah. So it is kind of more of a, of a death sentence type situation than it is a, uh, a celebration. We'll see. We'll see how people vote. I think people could be like, is there a third option, which is death? Is that an option? Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, the polls don't feature three options or else we would totally include just never listening to music again, which would be option three. Yeah. Um, so so anyway, so I, I think uh, that went a little bit, you know, we wanted to kind of cut it off there, um, hit it, hit a break, um, and then we'll get back to you with a little bit more. Um, so is it OK if we take a quick break, Lisa? Always. All righty. Well, audience, we will catch you back here in a few minutes. Adios. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We've been separated, what, 10 minutes 11 it minutes 10 or 11 minutes and i couldn't stop thinking about your wonderful face my wife, well i couldn't stop thinking about the coffee ice cream container that i had left in my freezer so i ate some coffee ice cream in cool. an attempt to wake up cool. no, <laughs> and I mean, grocery shopping. that's equally sweet is what i said so that's good to know <laughs> that that you could not stop thinking about that um so <laughs> before we go uh, deeper into the rabbit hole of of uh, of taking things personally, um, I did want to touch on this week's polls. Man, last week was a goodness. It was a 
it was a nail biter. It was a it was a crazy week because like I have never seen our not just one but two of our uh, polls for of our court cases be so close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might have hurt people on Twitter. Like they were in pain, not about the Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper thing, but no. the Gushers Fruit by the Foot thing. People were like, how dare you? So many people were like, how dare you? Yeah. It's like Dick. asking to pick a favorite child. It's like, I mean, I have one, but why are you making me say it out loud? Got <laughs> <laughs> him. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it was, it was a tough one. I mean, here's the thing is like, I voted, I always vote cause basically I'm like, okay, Lisa's going to vote for her thing. So I'm going to vote for my thing just so it, the, our votes basically don't count, but we mm-hmm. can still see what the voting is. So, yeah. um, so just to go over the final polls, Trapper Keeper versus Lisa Frank. This was a weird one because on Facebook, um, Trapper Keeper lost, not embarrassingly, but not great. Uh, to Lisa Frank, 37% to 63%. So, sorry, Trapper Keeper, uh, because I would say 75% of the people who vote on our thing are female, and shocker, they voted for Lisa Frank. <laughs> so, Indeed. Uh, yeah. So, I, mean, um, I don't think it's totally fair, though, because Lisa Frank had Trapper Keepers. Like, they were Trapper Keeper no, Lisa Frank. It. So, it's like... Were people who voted for Trapper Keeper that were female? There just was yeah. zero males that voted for tra- for for Lisa Frank. Zero. It was just that there were so few males voting, unfortunately. Because yeah. that's the thing. You have to understand when you again when you said Lisa Frank, I did not know what that was. Like I did not know mm-hmm. that was until you told me, and I looked it up. Yeah. Um, but apparently I knew what it was. I just had never known the name. So that's not so much interesting as the fact that we also proposed the same poll on Twitter. And Twitter came out a little bit differently, 59% Trapper Keeper to 41% Lisa Frank. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, technically if you add them all together and everything like that, um, it comes out a little bit ahead for Lisa Frank if you're just doing the percentages. But Mm -hmm. Twitter also had more votes. So uh, so we're not going to do that calculation, but it was basically a stalemate here. Trapper Keeper and Lisa Frank um, ended up coming out basically tied. Um, so it was a hung jury, and basically the court, the case was adjourned um, with uh, no contest. That's I'll say not, that that's doesn't not. happen very often. I mean, no, they, like what Twi- Twister and Independence Day were pretty close, and yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Really until, until we publicly said it on the show, and then somebody threw in a last-second vote <laughs> to tip it to your side. But yeah, that was that was a weird one having it like that. But uh, Gushers and Fruit by the Foot, um, both of these were obscenely close. And here's the thing is. I didn't know we were going to be recording today, so the po- so the poll for Gushers and Fruit by the Foot technically um, is still going on Twitter, at least for the next like eight hours. Um, so just to give you an update on that one, okay, see, it's even changed since the la- since I originally copied and pasted the oh, notes. Oh, interesting. So Gushers versus Fruit by the Foot on Facebook was 48% Gushers to 52% Fruit by the Foot, so a real nail biter there. Literally, that's like like one vote difference basically could have swayed it one way or the other to make it 50 50 on Twitter. It was 45% to 55%. Um, same, same way, 45% gushers, 55% fruit by the foot. Um, but now it's 44 to 56. So it's, uh, it didn't go up a lot or change a lot, but it's definitely, you know, still active on there. So that could, again, if, if we was like three more votes one way or the other, it could definitely tip the scales. But, um, yeah, but it seems like on the whole, that one, it looks like it's leaning fruit by the foot's way, came out victorious. Um, Lisa's probably indifferent because she's like, I hate it both. They were equally. Yep. <laughs> Can we throw in an option C, which is celery? The palate cleanser. Oh. <laughs> I know. No one, no, one wants, no one wants celery. I don't want celery. Celery doesn't want celery. Celery doesn't want nobody, nobody hates celery. I mean, some people can say they do, but like celery is just the most, I'm like, it's just like chewing chunky water. Like yeah. it's chewing chunky water. You can't even uh, dress that shit up with ants on a log. That's not. No, that's, that's it, not a it's thing. fun to pretend. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so those were some close ones. I we really appreciate everybody's feedback on those. Um, love to see what people think and appreciate the jury coming out and finding a tie for the first one and letting me win one, um, <laughs> on the other side with the fruit by the foot. So thank you. That's true. Um, so, so Lisa, um, uh, so we got the court cases done. Uh, maybe we can kind of do maybe some things that maybe we'd normally do in a mini. So do you have uh, something you wanted to bring to us today? I do. And I'm actually going to present it to you in a question. Oh. Andy, Andy question for you. Mm-hmm. Are your pants ever uncomfortable? 
I would say that they can be, yeah. Okay. Um, do you ever wish that one of your pant legs could be uh, mistaken for a poorly insulated sleeping bag? Am I ever worried about that or do I want that? Like, do you want it? Or like... I I, yeah. I don't know if I'm ever like <laughs> in the market for for those misunderstandings. No, I I don't think that's ever been a thought in my brain until this moment. And do you have you ever wanted to make more noise when you walk than the apocalypse itself? <laughs> Can I tell you something? As a kid, uh, just from like slick, uh, not nylon pants, but kind of like those wicking like uh, long pants I wore all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, I was I was you heard me coming. <laughs> so the answer the answer is no but i did in spite of that i think i think the 90s was just a very noisy decade for clothing um and that's just too bad but i i, I really want to talk to you today about something that when i saw it i was like oh my gosh i need to talk about this immediately and that's raver pants i'm sorry <laughs> I, need to, that? I need to talk to you tonight about raver pants raver pants <laughs> Um, raver pants are for you if you want to have pant legs that are so big they could be used as a sleeping bag if you want to make more noise than god when you walk from place to place um and if your pants are just, if you're tired of your pants like you're like ooh skinny jeans that's so 2000 teens it's like no 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 give me give me a pant leg that's big enough to park a fiat inside of it please and so <laughs> uh, so those are um there were a couple brands that were i mean jinko i don't know if i'd say totally counts as raver pants but they'll 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 be counted at some point but ufo pants i actually owned a pair of pink ufo pants and i called them my bitch pants and i don't know why my um, bitch pants my yeah they were these were kind of like if you think back to any kind of rave culture you see chicks with like the little midriff shirts and then pants that just explode forth from their waists yeah yeah so they 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 were they had enormous cargo pockets um straps for absolutely no reason that i could yeah. tell it looks um, like they're supposed to be suspenders, and then they're just like, no. No, I had a pair, and they just fell out of the pocket, and I'm like, I don't know why. Yeah. Why? I don't know if maybe there was a way that you could tie it up to your knee or something, but I certainly never did. It just whip people beside me in class to be like, I don't like anybody here, and I just whip someone. Um, you had reflect reflector strips because you're yep. probably – but you had to because you're going to get hit by cars doing the Melbourne shuffle under an overpass <laughs> at night with all your other raver friends. Yeah. Because um, that's what you did. That's what you did. You're just, like, you're just doing the Melbourne shuffle. Like, oh, I'm so cool. Do you see how I move this way? I'm failing school. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it's an, and then you have more pockets than you could ever need, including the giant um, <laughs> the giant cargo pockets. And then there were zippers at the knee sometimes. If you were like, I'm tired of sure. having my pants hit the ground. And you undo it to show off your beautiful white pasty leg oh, in sandals. Pants. Yes. Yeah. And in Texas, that was always what happened, right? Always. Always. Um, and then you would have uh, a drawstring waist because it has to be one size fits most, right? And then they would basically fully cover your shoes if you wanted them to. Yep. Um, and they were so full and they folded in on themselves because of the size and weight of them that essentially there's no such thing as a wrinkled pair of UFO pants because they're just they're just enormous. And yeah. they just – they're. they bunch up in different places anyway. So there was UFO pants, which I'm you could get at – uh, hot topic or basically anywhere else um like that and then there were also kick pants which took it to the extreme and andy andy you have to look up <laughs> kickwear jeans 69 inch deluxe wide um they were basically full denim barrels that went forth from your waist and they were triple in so- they would like they would literally oh no what is <laughs> yeah. this no Yes, that's what it is. Um, Holy shit. So, so let's just think about this for a second. If your waist is 33 inches, the diameter of the opening of the ankle of that pair of pants is 69 inches. That's more than double the size of your waist on both pant legs. Lisa, <laughs> Lisa, I am looking at pictures of those pants you just described to me, the 69 inch. Yeah. The, it Every single picture, it looks like... It was somebody who was like really like seven feet tall and somebody just cut off their legs at the kneecaps and they're just stumps on the ground. It's and true. a pair of pants that just ended at the bottom. It is absurd. Yes. And my, oh no, this kind of, you know what this, I just thought of this. They look like the, uh, the, the brooms that come to life and like the, the Disney's, yep. uh, what is it called? Help me out. Fantasia. Fantasia? Is that it? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yes, so, so essentially the thing I love about pants like this is that not only are they ridiculous, as a seamstress, I know how much fabric goes into making this pair of pants. It's like, this is ridiculous. That's um, like one load of laundry by itself. That is it's huge. True. Yeah, you would have to. Yeah, it's like six dollars to wash and dry this pair at the laundromat because that's what you were doing because you had to go somewhere to smoke your cigarettes without your parents knowing. Um, and so the thing about pants like this, and you know this feeling, you're wearing your chucks, you're wearing whatever shoes, your get your Converse, whatever you're wearing, and and then the back edges of them because they hit the ground all the time are just shredded to high hell, and there's just like denim flaps hanging off the back <laughs> just just you know if it was a rainy day you're you're flicking wicking water at everyone and you, there's always like a tale of what oh they're so gross and then butt pockets the puck or you can, maybe yeah. not this pair but a different they're so deep that you could basically steal every remote in every <laughs> in every house on your street and put them in your pocket and no one would know that you were the person that did it because your pockets are so deep yeah but, this is this is kind of like reverse bag and sag and berry style from all, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that character, Bag and Sagavari, who had I, enormous pants and would always just reach. They'd be like, "Hey, can you get this?" And he just reached into his pants and he'd have it. Um, it's Keenan, Keenan from all that. Oh, so anyway, yeah. but yeah, I just did you ever own? Did you go through this phase? Did you have big wide pants like this? Abs, like I can tell you, these pants that I'm looking at, neither the raver pants nor these that I ever have. But can I tell you something? Uh-huh. The original ones, when I pulled up raver pants, I pulled up these ones that were like Mario themed, and <gasps> they look rat. Like, and it's it's like toadstools with like these like b- glowing blue like discs all over. I'm like, these look badass as hell. Now they lo- would look ridiculous on me. Let's be clear. <laughs> um, but like, well, there's a will, there's a way. It's this weird like hourglass shape type thing where it's like you know they want to make it so that it's like it go, it almost looks smaller and then it gets bigger again it's like i want the where my feet are to be wider than my shoulders you know like for no yeah. reason like yeah. but no i never had these i did obviously have um some some jinkos and some very large cargo shorts um yeah. but never never to this degree i i never i was always a bigger kid so like st- purchasing things that were stylish just never really came in my size and I didn't care or know how to dress myself as a child. So (laughs) we'll see. And in my head, I'm thinking back to high school, I owned a pair of UFO pants and I had, I wouldn't say I ever had Jenko's, but I had thicker pants like this. And I think in my head, I was like, I I think I was around 210, 220 in high school, which was, which is pretty, pretty heavy for me. And I was like, Oh, well these big pants, look so good on everyone else they shrink their waist because it makes no you end up just looking like a walking pillar like yeah yeah it's not it's not you look like a person yeah yeah you look just like the same same as you did but just with (laughs) with very absurd pant legs like that's it yeah like Um, is a carnival in town no lisa's coming to class (laughs) (laughs) one big denim lisa is coming to class right now (laughs) so i'm i'm dead serious that these these pants these mario pants or whatever the hell they are with the with the mushrooms and the glowing, like uh, they're just all, like you said, shimmering and everything. As you were describing, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Everything I'm seeing is 100% on board with that. But if it weren't for the fact that these look ridiculous and I could never pull these off, like (laughs) you would have some, I'm just like, these look like some shit kicking pants, like with some shit kicking boots underneath them. Like it looks like the person wearing these should be like an anime character like who just is like ready to just go super saiyan and destroy some bad guys i don't think dragon ball z characters ever wore pants that look this stupid and they wore a lot of stupid looking things <laughs> in that show but i, I just one one quick anecdote i remember i worked for an optometrist in high school and i used to cut lenses for glasses that was a random thing i did and i wore these ufo pants at, to work yeah sure <laughs> and, with a t-shirt that said i heart tattooed dumb guys Oh god! No, I, don't know. I mean, I don't know how I wasn't fired for just dressing like an asshole all the time. <laughs> some some very nice employers in 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 my hometown. So um, yeah, Strong. there it is. I just needed to talk to Raver Pants. I need to talk to you about Raver Pants tonight, and I think I did it. And now I need to go buy some on eBay immediately. Uh, check out! I'm I'm telling you, check out these these friggin' Mario pants. They are are the bee's knees. Um, okay. But yeah, thanks for, for that. Again, I honestly, I, I probably saw these, but I just, it's been so long that it's, it's my brain has needed to make room for other things. And that was not one of the vital information points in my brain. So yeah, what I'd like to bring to you today 
is something again that's something that we, I'd been normally doing on our minisodes, but um, decided I'd bring it here today because um, we don't always do a minisode, so thought I'd bring one of these. Is uh, Andy's video game corner? Do 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 do. It's video game corner for Andy. So. Yeah, I like your song a lot better. <laughs> um, so this game is one that um, it barely made it in. Um, it was in 1999 that this game came out. Um, it started out um, way before that, though. Um, the original uh, s- starting of it, the, what they would originally ended up becoming this game, was something that was being discussed and talked about back in 95. In February of 1995 was when this game first was revealed. It was not this game. It was the original founding block of this game. There was a game originally that was called Jack and the Beanstalk, um, and it came out, um, and it was intended to be on the uh, Nintendo 64. Um, so it was before the actual game came out. They just kind of like, were previewing it a little bit in Japan. They never showed it to the U.S., and apparently there's like no screenshots or public viewings or anything like that of this game, so like there's no visual evidence of it existing. Um, but Jack and the Beanstalk um, originally was uh, kind of a photography-based game, um, a game involving, you know, taking pictures of various things. But basically, like, they just realized, they're like, okay, this is just not catching any ground. Like, nobody cares about uh, about taking pictures of anything. Oh, are you, are you doing it, Andy? Is this what you're doing? Are what? you doing? Are you doing the game? Are you doing the game that I think that you're thinking of doing? I, I hope so. Um, I guess we'll find out in just a moment. I'm going to be very disappointed if it's not. Uh, <laughs> something happened in February of 1996, though. Um, Nintendo affiliate Game Freak um, released a couple games for Game Boy um, called uh, Pokemon uh, Pocket Monsters Red and Green, or in the United States as Pokemon Red and Blue, um, which became a sleeper hit and eventually uh, became huge when they had an anime TV series, um, trading card game, and other things. And they were like, man, people seem to really love this game. We should, like, hey, is there any chance that we could, like, take this originally game framework and turn it into Pokemon? And so that is how yeah. they came up with the game Pokemon, Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap. For the yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! I what? need... We need a video. We need a video clip of Lisa in just utter, like she was crossing her fingers, like please God, please God, be this. Okay, I played some games, right? Pokemon Snap was one of them, and even then, I was like, I don't really know why this is a game, but I love it because it's Pokemon, and I don't. You get to take a picture of fucking Pokemon. Ah, and then they would come out of the lava. I'm not gonna steal your whole thing, but oh, (laughs) it's such a fun game. In its own weird way. It was so stupid. Yes. I love it. That is what I wanted to touch on first and foremost, is that this game, make it was so good for just the most, and it is the most mind-boggling game to be good. Like, I don't understand, like, the thing that was crazy to me was this. So I was one of the OG, I played Pokemon, I got Pokemon in like 97, so like just like a year after it came out, the, the, the original game, and played it feverishly because i love that game and i still own it today i still have my original um copy at home um but i always hated the fact that they never came out with just a pokey basically like hey let's take the role-playing game from the game boy and bring it on to one of the main systems like n64 or something like that and they never really have done that fully people will say oh they did this this and this but they never really came out with a full-fledged like hey this is if they just came out with pokemon blue but updated it and upgraded it to the point where it was like a N64 game or a GameCube game or whatever, but they never really did that. But what they did give us, um, aside from Pokemon Stadium, was Pokemon Snap, which Pokemon Stadium I could take or leave. I'm like, this is a very basic game, and I'm not a fan. You didn't like Pokemon Stadium? I I loved it. It it was like, hey, like, it's just just fighting, like exclusively fighting, and and it's like, it's role-playing game fighting, so it's not even like cool or fun fighting. So I was just never a huge, like, you use this attack. You use this attack. Like, yes, that's part of the original one, but that's not the whole thing. It's like basically taking a good role-playing game and basically t- boiling it down to its most basic parts. But I will say this, not not to not to digress too much. It, to me, it was the first chance for the American child to really feel like they're a trainer. Like, like it yeah. felt real for the first time in yeah. your own weird way to be like, I'm gonna put my, uh, I don't know, uh. 
Pikachu rushes you, uh, and you throw it out there, and he attacks Bulbasaur, and they're doing like, the animation. It's super fun. Back. Like at the time, yeah. at least, like compared to like what you've been used to, like holy crap, like seeing yeah. them in like that high fi and everything like that. But yeah, Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap. Okay, so for everybody who is not familiar with this game, it came out on in '64. Again, as I mentioned about the photography, was that basically your um God the name for the the name for the guy is is just atrocious too. I think it's um wow what was the name of the character that you play? It's Finiskeel. It's not Finiskeel. I <laughs> wish it was Finiskeel, but it's not Finiskeel, which is the bad thing. So let's see. I'm reading up on gameplay so I can find because I remember he had the most amazing name. You're like something snap. Um, so basically you're this guy who's essentially on a safari, basically like there's a bunch of different worlds you get to go to. Um, and as far as like the worlds that were available, there was, um, a beach level, a tunnel level, a volcano level, a river level, a cave level, a valley level, a rainbow cloud level. Um, and there's also professor Oak's lab, um, basically where you go on a safari style camera mission. You're riding basically on like a little vehicle and you're kind of Mm -hmm. mounted on top with a camera and you have a few things that you can um, interact with the world. Like you'll have like apples you can throw, you can throw a rock or whatever. And I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, And that's the thing is that just taking pictures of the, of the Pokemon was cool enough because like they did a really great job in, in 1989 of making a very visually stunning game. Like as far as like, again, it's one of those things where you've been obsessed with these Pokemon and you love them. And then they bring it into the world where you can see them in a, a 3D kind of way, you know, yeah, three three dimensions and like interacting and doing stuff like in their natural habitat and everything. And you're basically taking pictures of these Pokemon and it'll like so you you let's say you took a picture of a Pikachu that had its back turned to you or something like that or was just kind of like doing nothing mm-hmm. like that would be worth like, OK, 10 points or whatever, you know, just I'm making up numbers. Um, but then you get a p- picture of a Pokemon um, eating an apple that you gave him and it's like smiling or something like that and they give you like 50 points so it's basically like they're grading these photos on kind of like what you could capture and there were so many other cool things you could do not only with just taking pictures and throwing an apple and having him eat it or whatever um, mm-hmm. you could throw a rock and kind of frustrate them or whatever it's kind of like safari zone which was also part of po- the original pokemon game um, where you had the rocks and the apples and stuff and you okay. would interact with them and so like let's say you throw um an apple you could get like a whole slew of pikachus or something like that to come to one place and you'd get like a whole group shot of a bunch of them or you'd hit one of them in the head and it would like get them like all mad or something like that and so they'd be doing like a spell you know or doing like one of their moves at the time of the picture that would get you a ton of bonus points there were different ones where you would hit i remember there was like a magmar it was like some some fire type based creature where you would hit them with the rock and they would fall in a volcano and then they'd come is their evolved form or whatever and you got a picture of them like sprouting lava and everything like that and so it's all about timing and having to do certain things to get these perfect pictures of the pokemon and stuff it was like again it was so insanely replayable because of the fact that by this point like i didn't really own like um like earlier on like i'd owned uh there'd be like nintendo powers and um guides where you would have uh they would have like walkthroughs of like hey these are different sheets you can look up you know or this like do this and then you get and then this guy will do a thing and it's worth a lot of points you know what i mean like where he would mm-hmm. have like you basically can look up like now you could google say hey how do i get something like and they'd be like oh there's this one picture you can get you have to do this this and this and then that'll happen so you're just dicking around basically and all of a sudden you get this amazing like this amazing thing that happens just because you hit this thing with an apple you know mm-hmm. and so it was a super fun game um Again, I don't I can tell you this. I don't remember if there were any like like if there was ever a long game involved in this, like where it was like, hey, by getting all of these points, you earn this. Like, I don't remember if you even earned it if it was just literally like you. I mean, you probably, it probably had high scores listed for different levels and things like that. But yeah. they had um, 63 species of Pokemon that appeared in the game. Oh, um, so not, not 150. Of the original. No, they didn't do all of them. They did the. It was just the original one, um, one fifty one. If you count Mew, because Mew was in it. Oddly, Mewtwo was not in it, but Mew was. Hmm. Um, Mew was one of those ones that was super rare. But like, for example, like they had Bulbasaur, but they didn't have any of his evolved forms. They had Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard. Um, because I think that was the one was it was where you knocked a Charmeleon into the volcano, and then a Charizard came flying out or whatever. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, Squirtles, Metapod, Butterfreeze, Kakunas. I mean, so there's a lot of different ones where you could, again, you could interact and do different things where you get goofy photos of them looking silly or whatever, or, or ones where they looked really, really awesome and badass. And I loved the fact that like somehow this hardware in 1999 could grade your photos in a very like accurate way. Cause it, like when I took a good picture, like they usually almost always rewarded you for it. Like they knew, Hey, that was a good picture, which is kind of crazy to me because think about the, a million of range of outcomes and the fact that they could still assign a score accurately to every single picture you could take and not just have it be like, unless you get this exact frame, it's not going to be worth anything. Cause that would be really frustrating. and would make the game really dumb, but um, but anyways, yeah. Did you uh, did you have some thoughts on this game? Sorry. Um, I'm just saying that like art is subjective, man. And so I feel like them <laughs> grading your photos is a little bit like, do you really know? I mean, of course, some pictures are just shit, but um, I fucking loved this game. I don't think I ever owned it. I think it was one that I kept running from Blockbuster and I never make any progress. I was always just in like the fire level and like the 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 first like six flags mini mini mine train ride <laughs> like i never really made it past too much i don't think um out of out of poverty or something i don't know but yeah we rented it nonstop from blockbuster or borrowed it from a cousin or something and it was so fun to play and it was so i still don't understand how the hell this game ever existed why it existed i mean i, I know you told me the backstory but it's like what why <laughs> but yeah. i'm happy it existed because it was such a like, I know, super special it- memory like I said, it was it was such a weird thing where like I just didn't expect you know that to happen. But one quick quick deal that I'm reading just because they had a, a some promotions for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I mentioned, it was released on March 21st, 1999 in Japan and July 26, 99 in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and the game had several promotions made by both Nintendo and Blockbuster, amongst others. Um, so. Uh, basically, people could bring their copies of um, in certain places in Japan. They had this store called Lawson, where basically people could bring copies of their Pokemon Snap games and have pictures from the game printed, which is crazy to me that you could just be like, "Hey, here's the game," and they would print out photos from you. Um, Nintendo and Blockbuster form a similar deal, where Blockbuster would exclusively print stickers from players' copies of Pokemon Snap in the United States. I did not know about that, and that makes me sad. I feel um, like I now you're tickling a weird memory bell because I feel like I got some shit printed once on yeah. stickers. I could be making it up, but I feel like that's real. That'd be pretty sweet. I mean, I don't even know yeah. how they that from the game, though. That's great. I guess they probably save like your photos and your best shots and everything like that. But yeah. then they also hosted a contest called Take Your Best Shot, where the player who produced the best picture, again, object, subjective, from Pokemon yeah. Snap to Nintendo would win a trip to Australia. Where the Pokemon live. That's Yeah, that's where all the Pokemons are. (laughs) Um, So anyways, love this game. Just wanted to to go over that. And again, I'm glad that this, for once, I brought something up that brought joy to your heart. So So uh, much joy. So much joy. You'll find more. You'll you'll uncover stuff that I forgot about. And I'll be like, (gasps) and it'll be the best. Yeah. So So. again, this was kind of on a a whim. I was like, because we, again, we came out the episode a little bit sooner so we rushed a little bit more and getting things ready and i was like what are some good games and i i thought i was normally looking at super nintendo but i thought you know what i'll i'll, I'll hop into n64 and see what they got in the 90s and uh this was a, a gold mine for me so um, yeah well hey guess what this was episode 10 double digits baby. we made it Woo! all the fingers right all, there. The fingers. all the fingers we made look it at all the look at look at all these fangies um, actually, fingers. here real quick before we go, I, I just because we're going to have a lot of these to go through because people are amazing. So I'm going to read one quick review, if that's OK. Oh, sure. Just off our Apple podcast. Um, again, if you guys uh, want to leave us a review on Apple podcast, we would uh, like I said, not only does it help us a ton in Apple podcast ratings because they're podcast rating system is insane and makes yeah. no sense um, <laughs> but the ratings apparently review ratings and reviews mean a lot so um, let's see what's a good one here great podcast great podcast case closed um, this is actually from uh, some people that we know this is from uh, the black case diaries which is also a great podcast you want to check them out um, they are great people and we know them pretty well too I love the concept for this podcast. Lisa and Andy are charming, and it's a joy to listen to them discuss topics they genuinely love. The hosts are hilarious and make you feel like you're talking to your friends. You'll find yourself wanting to chime in. 
If you're a fan of 90s nostalgia, this is the show for you. I can't wait to hear more episodes. Yay! Thank you, guys. That's super awesome. Um, that makes me so happy because my, my favorite my favorite podcast, aside from our own, is a podcast called, called A Yeah Dude. And it's just two guys talking. And it feels like it's just two friends sitting in the room talking. Yeah. And you're, like, you're like talking back to them. It's like, I'm so yeah. happy that we can spark that for other people. And yeah. they're like, someone else somewhere said that they were screaming at the radio in their car. I was like, that's ex- that's exactly like, what I, I want. to bring. I want you to be in anguish. That's all we're here for is to make I you want people to be passing you on the highway being like, the fuck is wrong with her? And she's like, say by the bell was better in the car. <laughs> <laughs> like I just want someone having a conniption oh, in their car. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, Lisa, you want to close us out? Let's do it. Um, we are on Facebook and Twitter at 90s Court, Instagram 90s.court. Email is 90scourt at gmail.com. We are everywhere you're listening to podcasts, including the place you're listening to us right now. Um, as Andy said, we would love some more reviews if you don't mind. It's my anniversary. That could be a good anniversary present. Oh, <laughs> so, but yeah, just, we, and you can even just leave a review and a rating and just say happy anniversary, Lisa. No, no, great. I'll do. I'll be happy. But yeah, we we. Oh, and also, um, we've been getting private messages for people putting in requests for stuff, and we've made connections that way with people, and we love it. So genuinely, if there's anything that you're crazy psyched about from the '90s, let us know because the Trapper Keeper and Lisa Frank, um, the Marilyn Manson thing, those are all user requests. So. Yeah. Really? I didn't yeah. realize that Trapper Keeper and, and yes. Lisa. Yes. Well, it was, was it was it was written down and then a friend of mine messaged and was like Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper or or maybe she just said Lisa Frank but I was like yeah. All right, what's going <laughs> Obviously, on? let's do it. So these things get floated to the top if there are. I mean, we already have like we said we have a big list of things that we plan to talk about over the next I don't know several years at this we point. We need a little push. <laughs> we just need a little push to move us forward in your direction. Yeah. So yeah, let us know. We are completely available all the time. Andy is on Twitter. I think he's got a drip line to his bloodstream. So it's just just send him some yeah. messages and some ads, and he will uh he will respond in kind. So. so anyways thanks everybody so much you all have been amazing and uh we'll catch you next week sounds good adios cowabunga dude <laughs>